Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, a.k.a. Crypto Hipster, where I bring you blockchain and crypto stories and insights from around the world. And today, not too far from my home, I have the honor and and pleasure of introducing John Hargrave, who is the chief executive officer of Media Shower and the author of the book, Blockchain for Everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jamil. Thank you. It's great to see you here. Thank you for being here today. So excited. It's going to be great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. awesome. Uh, my first question for you is, is, what is your background and how does it relate to what you're doing now? Well, I uh, I got into Bitcoin in, in 2013, and it's the story that opens my book uh, where my wife and I went to our local uh, small town bank uh, and sent a wire transfer. At that time, the only way you could buy Bitcoin was... Uh, uh, offshore. So we sent a wire transfer to Belarus and uh, I didn't even know where Belarus was on a map. So you can imagine my uh, fear and nervousness as I sent this very large sum of money sight unseen to a country uh, that I couldn't locate on a map. And uh, it worked out. Uh, we received the Bitcoin and uh, from there, it's just been a crazy journey. And, and the book traces uh, the story of me getting so excited about uh, Bitcoin that I actually bet my entire company on it. We have this media and communication company that uh, was kind of working in all different industries. And we went all in on blockchain uh, in 2017. And it was really great for a few months. And then the great uh, crypto winter of 2018 happened. So I kind of bet it all. I lost it all. Uh, and then I won it all back. And the book is the story of what I learned through that uh, through that crazy roller coaster journey and what new investors into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies can learn as well. Hopefully not the hard way like I did, but the easy way, which is by reading a really fun story. Great, and it is it is fun. I, I read the book. It's it's um it's great. I had written two I had written two books where I think I missed the mark, right? Um, and and you didn't. Um, yours is simple, easy to read, and interesting. And what do you think are the key takeaways at a high level that you want any reader that picks up your book to take away from the book? Well, some people have called it the Bible of blockchain investing, and uh, that's that's very gracious. What what I think of it is like a really good common sense, user friendly guide to how to invest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So, kind of the new rules for these new um, investing opportunities. Um, and what I hope people take away is that uh, at, at, at at although this is complicated stuff. The basic rules are very simple for investing in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And hopefully you can learn those rules, even if you're brand new to this space or you're a seasoned veteran, um, you can you can learn those rules 
um, in the form of, of just a really entertaining um, and funny story. Great. Now, someone who's new, completely new to crypto investing, how should they uh, go about it? Yeah, the we have something called the uh, the blockchain believers portfolio, and I lay this out at the end of the book, which is um, if you go to a traditional financial advisor, uh, they will be likely to say something along the lines of like just invest in a stock and bond portfolio. So they might say something like uh, you know sixty five percent stocks, well diversified stocks, and like thirty five percent bonds. Um, and if you want to be super diversified, you could just say buy um, a fund that just tracks the entire stock market and the entire bond market. So this would be sort of the plain vanilla approach to investing. Stocks and bonds, about two thirds, one third, something like that, and super diversified. And that's essentially what we say, but then carve out a slice for these crypto assets. So that slice can be anywhere from like 2% to 10%. Um, and again, this is all in keeping with, I think, uh, what many financial advisors would say, you know, it's okay to have what we might call some the mad money or your alternative investments, just don't make it too big of a slice. So anywhere between two and 10%. And so that two and 10% can go into Bitcoin um, if you uh, just wanna keep it simple. So you've got maybe 60% stocks, 30% bonds and 10% Bitcoin or up to 10%. Um, and if you want to get a little more uh, uh, ambitious, you might just make it Bitcoin and Ethereum, again, a total of up to 10%. Um, and then if you have more desire to explore uh, and experiment with some of these, these new tokens to, um, to, to do research using some of the other tools that we, we lay out in the book, but again, no more, no more than 10%. And what that does is protects you if the whole Bitcoin thing turns out to be just a really weird dream and it goes to zero. Well, at most, you've lost 10% of your overall investing portfolio, but it does allow you to grow it over time um, if Bitcoin continues um, its phenomenal rise. So, so it's a really balanced way of, of looking at, at this new asset class. So I just have a follow-up there. What if you call it mad money, right? Yeah. What if the mad? What if the mad money wasn't? There weren't the uh, crypto and the and Bitcoin. What would the mad money happen to be? Bonds happen to be corporate debt. Happen to be like if I'm a person with somebody some credit card debt, taking on corporate debt in addition to my credit card debt. When how would that not be mad money? Yeah, there's a growing uh, <laughs> chorus of voices that would agree with you on that, Jamil, who would say, why on earth would you ever buy bonds anymore when, you know, essentially the effective rate on bonds is below zero when you factor in inflation? So we we talk a lot about that um, at, at our company and, and uh, with our investor newsletter, um, which is... Uh, uh it goes out every every day and um i think the thing to do still at this point is to use what has been proven over the long run which is this mix of stocks and bonds but again opening it up to just a percentage so in that way we kind of hedge all of our bets and we may, you may be right that the, the bond market kind of collapses uh however at the same time we've got plenty of stocks and we've got plenty of other things to kind of offset that Okay, so that makes a little bit of sense. So then 
um, if I do take on bonds and then I, and I, and the bond market collapses and goes negative rates, then I guess I'll learn my investing the hard way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, um, but hopefully then the, the other gains that you'll see from, from Bitcoin and other crypto investments will, will offset those losses. And, and it, in the long run, you'll, you'll, you'll be ahead. Okay. Well, I mean, the hard way was in 2018 was crypto winter. So we had, um, we had, right. we had a bull market in 2017, right? We had the ICO right. We had the bear crypto winter 2018 to 2020. And what lessons do you think we could learn now taking those two lessons and bringing them to forward to today that we're headed into unknown uncharted territory here? Yeah, well, what we want to avoid are extremes at either end. And I think we, we want to pursue what what we, I, I call it the middle way. And the middle way is not too conservative, but it's not too crazy. And we certainly see uh, a lot of signs of the craziness that happened during 2017 and 2018. And I personally got caught up in that. That, that is the story of the book. Um, we, we see a lot of that craziness happening in things like NFTs right now, for example. So, so what we want to do is try to take a measured approach to try to um, say, yeah, there's a lot of exciting things going on in crypto, a lot of exciting things going on in Bitcoin. We want to participate in that. We want to be part of it, but we don't want to bet the farm. <laughs> we want to essentially put some meaningful, uh, limited and limit our risk in in those places where where things look like they're getting exciting. Um, personally, I think about this a lot as I, I experiment with it or I play around with it. And so I say I've got a limited amount of money that I'm going to put into, let's say, DeFi. Um, and then I just sort of play around with that amount of run, money within DeFi. And I find that approach really valuable because I do learn a lot from doing that. I learn a lot like a lot of people say, how do I get involved? And <laughs> often I'll say like, the best way is just to buy a little bit of Bitcoin. Because the process of doing it, as we all know, those of us who have Bitcoin, you learn so much and you then are emotionally invested. You've got a little bit of skin in the game. But the key is not to get too emotionally invested <laughs> where you then start putting your kid's college fund in it. You don't wanna do that. So it's very easy to get carried away and we want that middle path we want not too conservative, but not too crazy. We really want to try to marry the, the best of both worlds. So with that marriage, um, I like the, the way you use the marriage because there's a section, three-page section in the book that has, um, covers investing versus speculating. Yeah. And um, to me, that's the same as committed versus dabbling, right? Mm -hmm. So how can somebody put a little bit and consider themselves committed um to you know um to bitcoin and to their future um while you know that while lowering the risk of dabbling well uh a, a useful model is to say let's say you've got a day job keep working the day job <laughs> so so don't quit the day job to go full-time into crypto trading for example um and and auto invest a little bit of money each month just like you would you know a 401k account um, again, that money then can go into a, a balanced mix, mostly stocks and bonds and a little bit of Bitcoin or, or crypto assets. Um, and then staying focused on simple strategies. So like finding a few things that you really believe in in the crypto space, whether that's Bitcoin or Ethereum, or I have a handful of other investments that I'm really passionate about. Um, and then 
invest in those for the long term. So put that limited amount of money into those and hold on to it for a long period of time. So not trying to time the market, not trying to like, you know, get out at the top, but seeing this as really a long-term play, a journey. And what we're doing is putting our money to work in this thing that we really believe in, which is this new financial system, is this new global system of money. So work the day job, auto-invest a little bit each month, kind of a dollar cost averaging approach. Put that into a few simple strategic crypto assets, um, well diversified overall. And again, that's the approach that we've modeled over time and we've showed how that continually outperforms your traditional stock bond mix. It continually outperforms what your traditional financial advisor will tell you, but it doesn't expose you to a ton of additional risk on the other side of this. Great, so I was, I was thinking about diving into NFTs right now, but I want to back up a second so that people can get a, a lay of the land. You know, in constructing that ideal portfolio, you yeah. def, you did find three terms in your book: altcoin versus cryptocurrency versus token. Um, and what what are the differences, and what considerations should people give to each? Well, they they are used kind of interchangeably. Alt altcoin meaning an alternative to Bitcoin, uh, cryptocurrency and token are all kind of like one big <laughs> cluster uh, currently to date. Um, but the way we talk about um, uh, uh, measuring or evaluating these altcoin cryptocurrency tokens um, uh, in the same way that you might measure or evaluate like a stock investment in the traditional stock market, um, we have two principles. So there's quantitative and there's qualitative. So quantitative means looking at the numbers. Qualitative means looking at sort of the, the, the quality uh, or the subjective uh, benefits of, of a project. So quantitative, um, we have uh, tools like, um, there's Dune Analytics, for example, is something we talk a lot about. Because the great advantage of the blockchain is it's transparent. Like if you're investing in a traditional stock like Facebook, um, and you want to know how many users Facebook has, you have to wait until their quarterly earnings report, which is already like time delayed. Um, but with blockchain, you can see it real time. You know, So if you're looking at users for Uniswap, for example, um, you can see real time users of Uniswap using a tool like Dune Analytics. So that's what we mean by the quantitative piece. And there's all kinds of metrics. People are trying to figure out what are the most reliable metrics. But the very simplest way to think about it is just number of users. So if you look at the number of users of a blockchain, that is a, that's probably the most powerful number you have to see whether a blockchain is real, like whether they have an active and growing user base. So that's quantitative. Then on the qualitative side, we have a tool. Um, it's in the book, and it's also um, for free on our website, uh, bitcoinmarketjournal.com. Uh, and um, it's called the Blockchain Investor's Scorecard. And this scorecard is basically a way of um, rigorously going through a blockchain project and looking at like the token mechanics, the team, uh, the market, and so forth. Um, and there's about 20 to 25 questions that you go through for each token, and then you rate it on a scale of one to five, like a Yelp review. <laughs> and so then using those one to five star ratings, you can average up the whole token or altcoin or cryptocurrency and decide whether it's something qualitatively that you want to invest in. And the advantage to using a tool like that is that you now have like a one to five star rating that you can use to compare different 
potential investments. So that's that's the basic premise. Quantitative, especially number of users using tools like Dune Analytics, and then qualitative using tools like our blockchain investor scorecard. I think I want to use that scorecard. Um, one of the things I've noticed recently when I've been interviewing people is um, what I would have looked at as a white paper as a maybe a possible you know scam. I hate to use that word, right? Um, in yep. 2017, if I looked at the white paper today, that it's actually makes sense and the project's still alive and they're building something. Have you noticed that where maybe we, we might've been wrong in our assessments a few years ago than now where something like, oh, okay, that's that's something that's legit. Uh, sure, all the time that happens. And and there's no there's gonna be no perfect method of predicting the future. Um, and that's true for any kind of investing, whether it's in the traditional stock market or what we call the block market, which is blockchain assets, cryptocurrencies, tokens, and altcoins. So whether we're looking at the stock market or the block market, what we want to do is try to improve our, uh, our averages or improve our powers of prediction. And we want to be rigorous about looking at projects and tokens before we just throw money at it. So let's take the typical investor's approach, which is like they see sort of a hot like token on you know our cryptocurrency on Reddit, for example. <laughs> and then they're like, that looks really great. And they pour money into it. Or they hear about a new DeFi project and there's a chance to make a lot of money really fast. And they like go on their like early yield farming only to find out that the smart contract has a bug in it and they lose all their money. And they don't know who is behind the project. So that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid those kind of like, you know, reflexive emotion-based investing decisions that are how the majority of people, in my experience, invest in this space today. And instead, we want to take more of like a, a scientific approach and use some some rigor and some thoughtfulness and, and asking good questions and talking about it with other smart people preferably in person and saying, you know, here's this thing I'm thinking of, of investing in, like, talk me out of it. Tell me why my thinking is wrong. Tell me why, where, where the holes in my logic are. So we try to do a lot of that. We call it finding the truth together in the words of Ray Dalio, one of my heroes, um, and trying to all get to better investing ideas together, especially in this new and, and very fast moving, confusing world of, of blockchain. That sounds good. You know, I, I thought I, I had the same sentiments. I thought I knew everything too. And then this whole entire world of NFTs popped up. And <laughs> and, and yeah. you have the insiders in the industry saying, oh, it's old it's money laundering. And you other people, you know, who are actually creating products and services using it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think are the areas that are legitimate in the NFT space and areas that we should be looking out for. Well, I want to hear from you first. So, what have you found? So, you're you're new in this space and and kind of getting involved. So, what what are your what are your thoughts? And then I'll share mine with you, Jamil. I'm new looking at NFTs. I was in the ICO like you back in 2017. Um, and yeah, it, around NFTs, I'm I'm talking about. Oh yeah, um, I found that gaming tokens using engine and other cryptocurrencies are actually products are actually being built that, that are that are legitimately working um i had a conversation with somebody who is um building um fashionable uh goods and services using um an nft so i'm like okay it's something and then you have other things like okay this is a piece of art that's worth 95 million dollars that's an eye of the beholder so um i still don't know what to think i'm still discovering it but there are tangible things that are being built 
Yeah, um, I think the nature of bubbles, um, and this is partly the story of, of the book as well, because I, I lived through this bubble and I participated in that bubble and I got caught up in the bubble. The nature of bubbles is that a lot of early investors pour a lot of money into it, unwittingly building the infrastructure that will then sort of power the next generation. So if you go back to like the dot-com days, which is when I started my career, um, back in like 1999 and 2000, um, tons of money were being poured into anything that like was a dot-com. It was all you had to do was say dot-com and everybody was super excited. And then in 2001, like the market just fell off a cliff and suddenly nobody wanted anything to do with internet stocks. And it took several years to recover. But out of that initial enthusiasm grew like the most powerful companies today. So like Amazon and Google, um, even Apple was reborn during that time. And um, so what all these early investors do is they end up sort of pouring in the money that a few that really does build the industry long term, but it's not in the way they think. Everybody thinks that this NFT thing is just going to continue to go on forever, up and up and up. But what's likely going to happen is this is another bubble that's going to pop, <laughs> and all those NFTs that you just bought for thirty million dollars are going to be worth like you know thirty thousand dollars, let's say. But over time, there are use cases, as you're saying, Jamil that are really powerful around NFTs. So it's things like buying in-game items, right? Like buying your skins and your emotes for games like Fortnite. Those could be built on NFTs. Or it could be like, you know, paying musicians royalties on uh, specific songs or allowing them to mint like special editions uh, of, of various pieces of music or art. Those are really interesting. Um, technology innovations, which will come down the road once this space is more mature. But right now I haven't bought any NFTs because to me, this looks very much like the early days of ICOs back in 2017. It just feels the same way, that rapid rise and the idea that I'm gonna get in and make a lot of money really quickly. So I've stayed out of that, but I do recognize that there's a lot of excitement happening here. And that technology is going to be used for something. Just be careful that you're you're not funding it uh, too much right now because it's it's unlikely to pay off short term. Right, and you did say something there about musicians. Yeah, and I want to and and similar are authors, right? Yeah. So, um, you 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 have a great book. You have a great publisher. Um, there are a lot of independent artists, independent authors who don't have that. You know, how can they leverage blockchain technology to get their voices and their books heard in front of people, in front of audiences? Um, yeah, well, I'm both. I, I started out my career as a music major. I play the bass. So uh, so I'm, I'm very uh, close to the music world. And then I'm an author, as you said, I, I have five books. And, uh, and on both of those, it is tough for um, artists and writers and musicians to make a living. It's just hard. It's hard, and especially today where we all expect content to be free <laughs> all the time, such as your great podcast here. You know, people uh, are reluctant, we all are reluctant to pay for these things. So I do think that the day will come when NFTs will be an, an, uh, a way to directly monetize to a small degree the writers and authors and artists and musicians who are creating these works 
and do some disintermediation of this whole system as it exists today. But I do not think it's going to be like all the money is going to go directly to the artists. That's just never the way it works. If you look at the music business today, like think, you know, 25, 30 years ago, you had like retail music stores in malls where you would go buy physical albums and cassette tapes and CDs. And then you would take those home and that would go through this vast network of publishers and distributors and record companies and finally make it back to the artists. Well, today it's all just the same thing, but now it's direct to the consumer going through a giant behemoth like Spotify or Apple Music. And at the end of the day, the artist still only gets pennies from each play or each record or each sale. And that just seems to be the nature of the beast. So I think blockchain will change the way that all the players work together. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be tough for the artists uh, and, and they still are going to need to work really hard to develop great art in order to really monetize it over the long haul, over a career. So that brings me to one, I'm thinking of one word here to describe that. And the word to me I'm thinking of is empowerment. And there's a section in your book, you're talking about empowering yeah. the 99%. And how does that work with um, with Bitcoin, like bringing it back to Bitcoin and original cryptocurrencies? How does empowering 99% play out? I, I, I think that's an ideal. I don't think we're anywhere near that ideal right now. In fact, what I see happening in the world of blockchain is just, you know, the new boss is the same as the old boss. In other words, you still have now these 1% that are starting to control, you know, 99% of the crypto wealth. Now we call them whales, and they are different from the people who control Wall Street, I think. Uh, but at the same time, the mechanics are the same. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And what we have to do is really thoughtfully design systems um, that truly do distribute the wealth more evenly. And that ultimately is better for not only the blockchain economy, but the economy at large. It's just better if we are able to distribute things in a way that's more equitable and more fair instead of 99% going to, to 1% of the world's people. That, that kind of seems like common sense, but it also requires really thoughtful design of the systems that we're building. And right now the blockchain industry is not doing this. We're basically still rewarding this kind of get rich quick Right now, we hide it behind like yield farming and we, we put it as like uh, pre-mining of tokens. And there's all these schemes that people are doing to develop new DeFi projects today. But it's still the same thing. It's still whales coming in, putting vast sums of Ethereum or the crypto wealth into this in order to mint new types of virtual wealth, which are like derivatives of derivatives. It's the same stuff that's been happening on Wall Street. <laughs> For decades and decades, it's just now applied to the crypto world. So I call on everyone, all of us, to that we're better than this. We are better, and we do have the opportunity to rewrite the rules of how the financial system works. But it's going to take really thoughtful um, work to to design systems that are fundamentally different at their core. And right now we're not on that path. And I just want to encourage everybody to think about how, how do we all help us get on that path?
because it's a better path. It's a better path for the entire world. We all benefit when we're all more able to share the wealth. Awesome. I, uh, as you said that, something popped into my head and I wanted to get your thoughts on this too, uh, because you're talking about caution. Um, and the phrase that came that popped in my head was 100x. Uh, you, <laughs> right. have, you have people out there doing 100x leverage 100X. trading. That's it. That says it right there. Like it's the it's the idea of 100x, right? The idea that I have to 100x my money today, that is alluring. Like it is very captivating. I mean, even for me, and I write about this stuff, and I think about it all the time. I'm like 100x. How could I do that? That'd be great. Why wouldn't I do 100x? Well, the reason is because, uh, first of all, there's very rarely 100x opportunities. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So you're either taking on crazy risk uh, or you are in some way screwing over someone else, usually, right? Unless you are creating products or services that have 100x the value. That's different. So if you're building a company, or you're investing in a company that truly does 100x the value over time, such as Google or such as Amazon, which have clearly 100x the value in their respective industries, um, then, then potentially, yeah, 100x is possible over the long term. But it's this idea, again, it's just get rich quick. It's in another form <laughs> called 100x. <laughs> and it's just the idea that I'm going to like rapidly be able to like multiply this money. It just doesn't work that way. The world does not work that way. But over the long term, investing in projects with real value that are really moving humanity forward and helping us all do things better, that is absolutely possible to 100x over the long term. And that's that's what we're here to do is over the long haul to get rich slowly <laughs> to build health, wealth, and happiness. That's our tagline, health, wealth, and happiness. That sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I I am. I, um... Have a motto: It's never bet against the house, and right. <laughs> the house are the developers. Yeah. You know, so, um, I'm on. I agree with you. Uh, so, my last question of the day: I want to thank you for your time today so far, and, and um, been an honor and privilege and a pleasure to talk to you. Um, is how can people find out more information about you? Uh, reach out to you, contact you about Media Shower, uh, learn more about your book, or read your book. Yeah, so uh, the name of the book is uh, Blockchain for Everyone. Uh, it's available on Amazon, and uh, it's a very entertaining audible audiobook if you prefer to uh, to get your books that way. Um, and it's really great uh, for beginners as well as people who have been in this space for for some time. I really tried to capture the kind of a moment in time around that 2017, 2018 crypto market, which was a really important time um, in, in the history of this industry that, that I love so much. Um, and then uh, our daily investor newsletter is called Bitcoin Market Journal, and you can go to bitcoinmarketjournal.com. It's a free newsletter where we talk about what's happening in the blockchain markets, and I write a weekly column uh, every Friday uh, for that. And uh, you can also follow me at, uh, on Twitter at Sir John Hargrave. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Jamil. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook. 
facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.